0: all right all right ready for a new a new beautiful episode of get on code all right welcome to get on code the fly guy show which is a series of melanated conversations. Focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge
1: itself. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to.
2: And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans.
3: But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system.
0: We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason don't seem to be able to transfer it
1: you had a great experience fine that means nothing what were you told as a child about education
3: you had to be how many times better
2: every impression without an expression becomes depression
0: all right welcome to get on code the fly guy show where the code is empowerment I'm um, Seiko Varner. I got my good brother, Minister Zumbi. What's up, bro? Peace. All right. All right. So look, tonight we have a star-studded panel that's going to discuss making, building, and furthering our economic empowerment. So when I said star-studded, that's why I have a nice background of the stars. <laughs> I want to start with... Uh, Bringing on the queen, all oh, hell. The queen. It's not Latifah. It's Queen Taniki Riddick from My Econ. How you doing, Queen?
2: Hello, kings. Thank you for having
0: me. I say, She has on the credit hero T-shirt. She's a credit hero. So if you need to get your credit fixed, improved, uh, she's the queen to tap to. All right. <laughs> on the on the line we have the good brother Caden Nurse from. Uh, urban finance. Now, uh, Caden, if you remember, he and his lovely wife saved—I mean, paid off, paid off—$120,000 of debt in two years. Mm. Whew. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. And last but not least, actually, the gentleman that I'm actually kind of positioning myself to be like right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The person I'm trying to to walk in this dude's shoes. Uh, Unfortunately, he's a man of Phi Beta Sigma. I'm a man of Omega sci Phi. But I love him nonetheless. I follow him nonetheless. The good brother, A. Donahue Baker. How you doing, Don?
4: Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me here. And really honored to be with the other guests as well.
0: Now, uh, A. Donahue Baker is the founder of Money app which is one of the new fintech banks doing big things. Uh, you know, I do private money lending for real estate investors, and I lend for some. You know, I lend from their bank. I'm telling you, MoneyAv.com and BankMoneyAv.com. I'll make sure we put those up there. But MoneyAv.com and he's doing phenomenal stuff. He changes thousandaires into millionaires. So you definitely want to get on that train uh, tonight. We're going to have a panel discussion on building and furthering our economic empowerment. So, when we say economic empowerment, let's start with the, let's start with the uh, the king of economic empowerment, who's shown people how to do it over and over and over. Has a complete system. A Donahue Baker. When we talk about building and furthering economic empowerment, what does economic empowerment mean to you? We want to have a operational definition.
4: Yeah, to me, economic empowerment really means being in control of your own destiny, being a creator, creating a system that really allows you to build the life that you want to do economically, right? And that's that's really what we try to do at Money Avenue. But, you know, we built a whole system around that. and I'm sure we're going to get more into that. But really, it's being in control of your own destiny, being able to control what you do on a day-to-day basis.
0: Wow, absolutely. Brother Caden, man. Uh, How would you define, and I know you're going to reach back to Brother Amos Wilson. (laughs) How would you define? I
1: love love the Black scholars. Amos Wilson, Jawanza Kanjupu, Dr. Claude Anderson. I love them all. And if anyone that I go after is those guys. But I'm going to quote someone or talk about someone that's a little more controversial in the Black community that has made it into the billionaire category, and that is Kanye West. And one of the things Kanye West talked about the last time or one of the last time he was on The Breakfast Club was the idea of freedom, economic power being freedom in the Black community. And so right now the Black community isn't free because they're dependent on everyone for just about every one of their needs. And so for me, economic empowerment is the freedom to be able to do what you need to do when you want to do it. And so that, that's what I'm looking forward a community that is totally self-sufficient, not that it has to be, but that it is. <clears throat> wow.
0: Okay, 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 okay. Hey, uh, Minister Zumbi, you know, mm. we're going to let the woman have the last word. So Minister <laughs> Zumbi, when we talk about economic empowerment, give us a uh, operational definition,
3: brother. I, I would look at it as, as freedom of choice. And what I mean by freedom of choice is freedom from certain things as well as freedom to do certain things uh it also includes your ability to produce your ability to employ your own people and just having the choices to live life on your own terms and i think particularly for african men that's one thing that we've been in earnest in having is the freedom to live life on our own terms
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. And hey, letting the queen have the last word. Uh, Sister Riddick, economic empowerment. You know, what does that mean to you? How do you define that?
2: Um economic empowerment for me is just making the right choices to build our economy. Um the company I'm with is My Econ and it stands for My Economy. Taking control of your economy, making the right decisions, holding accountability to what you do so that you're building economic empowerment for generations.
0: Okay, and I think that's what we're all kind of focused on. How do we really push this baby of economic empowerment to the masses of us? You know, how can we really make sure that the black community in particular and the entire American economy on a larger sense can really grasp this concept of economic empowerment? And what's kind of interesting is each one of you had a slightly different approach to it. So are there differences? Are Are these different branches of the same tree? You know, anyone can jump in. What do you think? How do we get this mass marketed? How do we get everybody to fall in love and be interested in becoming
4: empowered economically? Yeah, to me. So I think there's something really special going on in our in, in just in, in social media or just our culture. And it's the realization that people are creating wealth systematically now, like like never before. And. One of the things that I'm really, really super excited about is understanding that first it all starts with your own self, making the choice to say, This is what I want to do, this is what I want to accomplish, and then branching it out to your family and your team. And eventually it's like a ripple effect that kind of goes from, you know, like, like just a, a, a shot that just, just trickles, out, trickles out to everyone. So I think that that's what's happening right now. I think that more than ever, we're seeing the the launch of thought leaders. We're seeing people that are coming into our community, giving us real knowledge about real estate, knowledge about business, knowledge about specific topics. Maybe the Internet is making that much more accessible, too. But I'm seeing it in, on a really, really large scale, and I'm excited yeah. about that because... I'm in this circle of people that are creating millions and millions of dollars in a short period of time.
1: Mm. What says you, Caden? Yeah. So I think, first of all, and th- th- this may seem contraproductive to building a black economic base or power structure, but I don't think everyone is going to come along for the ride. I think the black community has spent a lot of time focusing on individuals that do not necessarily treasure the desire to be economically empowered. And I think that there are millions and millions of Black people that are, that, that has that fire and hunger that Donna he was talking about, that is thirsty about this economic empowerment and what that may mean for my family and each succeeding generation. And I do think those individuals, those millions of Black people should be the focus. Sometimes, And we are a community, one of my favorite proverbs is the black proverb, the African proverb that say, if you want to go far, go together. And if if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that is a principle that I live my life on. And that's the principle I believe that most black people, a lot of black people in our community live our lives on. But unfortunately, I do think when we try to drag along people who do not want to take the ride as well, then we all suffer. And sometimes it makes more sense to get there and then from that position try to help out. Um, One of the analogies, another analogy I always love is the analogy of putting your mask on first when you're in the airplane and then putting it on those other people. And Black people, we're so, so caring people spiritually. I think God has placed us, given us something that makes us love everyone. And we're one of the communities that tries to put the mask on everyone else before even trying to put it on ourselves. And so I think in this season, I've been seeing black people with more of the mentality, okay, I'm gonna try to make sure my community and even my household is set and then use that information, that knowledge base that I've acquired and the things that I've achieved to put it on others. Um, And like I said, I love uh, a lot of the founding thought leaders for the black community on this subject, but I think that was one of the shortcomings of um, past, past generations. And we have benefited significantly from it. So don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it, but you know, it's that desire to help others before we even help ourselves.
0: Mm.
1: That's intriguing. uh,
0: Do you see the same problem, Taniki? Do you see the same problem, Minister?
2: Absolutely. Uh, For me is you have to have that mindset. I often run into people who they say they want it, but if the mindset is not there, it's like trying to pull a horse to a well to drink and he's not thirsty. You have to have that mindset that you want to be financially free. And he hit it right on the nose. Um, I see sometimes often trying to convince people the importance of good credit, but they're not willing to put in the work to get it there. And you have to have that mindset that I'm going to do what is needed on my part instead of depending on other people to do it for you.
3: You know, I I take a quote from Mr. Farrakhan where he says, time dictates agenda. So if we know what time it is, what should our agenda be? And I think a lot of times we misinterpret what time it is and we choose an agenda that's not uh, productive or to our better benefit. So what COVID has done, it's accelerated certain things that were coming eventually, but it's also a reset button because now it forces everyone into an entrepreneurial state of mind that whole thing about that 40 40 plan it's done okay walmart has shown you that they've already got prototype stores that are now putting cashiers out of work but in a crisis there's always opportunity for what is emerging so i think with this new generation this new generation of thought leaders uh and other other economic Uh, Soldiers We're beginning to look at the Opportunities and we're beginning to Show people that And it's what the Honorable Marcus Garvey Says if you are Totally dependent on other races For your provision you will Eventually die
0: (laughs) I don't know how to follow That up (laughs) Yeah (laughs) Yo, know, Don. What do you think, man? Are, are we too focused on helping others?
4: No, no. You're de- definitely not too focused on helping others. I mean, that to me, that's the definition of creating wealth. It's the more people that you can help, it's actually the more you're cre- more wealth you're creating, not only for yourself but for your community as well. So, I don't think that we're too focused on helping others. I just think that, like the like like the brother said earlier, it, it, it's it's we ha- it's a trick. It's going to be a trickle down effect. Where the people that have the right mindset, they're the ones that's gonna be leading. Like we all we all need early adopters, we all need leaders, right? So those leaders, the people that have that wealth-building mindset, are gonna lead. And eventually, at some point in time, it will trickle down to the masses. It's important for us because we're still seeing a lot of businesses be the first, the first black this, the first black that. You know, it's gonna take some time and it's been a long road already, but I eventually think we all will get there like maybe i'm a super optimist but i really think that over the course of time that we're moving in a direction where even our white counterparts are realizing that this country cannot continue to exist with the inequalities that are out there so what we're seeing is millions billions of dollars actually being pumped in to certain industries that have been not inclusive of us in the past starting to get a lot of venture funding that's coming in. We know that the, one of the, the things that we live in a time right now where we live in a, a point in time with Silicon Valley is one of the biggest wealth creators in the history of the planet, in the history of mankind. If Silicon Valley was a, was a, a country all to itself, it would be the fourth highest per capita uh, city in, in wealth ratio in the world. Right, so what we're seeing is that this tremendous amount of wealth that's being created, we have we've missed it. A lot of that, the ninety percent, actually ninety eight percent, ninety eight percent of the founders that have been funded through Silicon Valley VC firms are either white or Asian, white or Asian. Ninety eight percent. So very small percentage in the past have been getting funded, and if you're Black or 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 another minority. Women now are starting to get a lot of a uh, lot of opportunity. But I just think that there's a change that it's taken place since George Floyd. Like I said, I could be overly optimistic, but I'm starting to get phone calls from VCs, from money, from from people that they want to make a difference. They realize that we can no longer exist. This this society can no longer exist with these inequalities. So I'll say um, two things. So I, I really like that Adon
1: Hubaker, And one of the things I've always said as um, as a black man in this game, we all play in a different, a different role in this sport. You know, I, I'll be honest and say I'm not a huge sport person. But, you know, I know that there are five different positions in a basketball game, and each one is needed. The power forward, the small forward. You know, each team needs a position. Each person needs to play their position for the team to operate effectively. And I think one of the things that uh, the Black community, another thing, and this is certainly, I know our focus is economic empowerment, but one of the things Black community has did, I would say, not too well, is attack others with different agendas within the community. And so those there are power brokers in the Black communities that are working with million-dollar hedge funds companies, million-dollar um um, though, though, those companies in San Francisco's and the tech giants and those black people to be quite frank about it has to play the game a certain way in order to make sure that that revenue stream continues to come in and I think that's will be extremely important because in some respects like the Michael Jordans like the, some of our uh, uh, those business leaders those billionaires they're going to have to play in that arena and there's a certain way they're going to have to conduct themselves to play in that arena But we know that who controls the money controls the agenda. And so there are going to have to be those Black people that may not be connected to those big money pots, but maybe small business owners that can speak more frankly. Because once you're a part of a system, it's real hard to completely rebel against that system, even though it may not be beneficial completely to to your community. I'll say something that I hope um, no one no one that is a part of necessarily my direct system may see. I'm an AME preacher. I'm an associate pastor of a church. There are certain things that I cannot do that, that to buck the entire system because it can affect my livelihood and my family livelihood that I would not do because I'm a part of that system. But that doesn't mean that I don't have the Black economic empowerment as one of my main desires. And it's also to recognize that different members of our community are a part of different systems, may have this same agenda, but can't necessarily express it as boldly because they have to operate at a different level. And so that's one of the things I say I never... Never discredit any black person that I see is trying to do good for the community, just because they aren't saying things the way that I say it. Because we're all playing at different levels and we're all playing in different circles.
0: Hmm. Wow, you said some things that really just made. Okay, go ahead, Don. Go ahead, Don.
4: No, no, I'm. I'm. I. Like I said, I. I. I agree with what the brother said that we all have different roles to play and I like that analogy that he put really put together and it's the same thing if you want to go back in history, Um, I had certain mentors, people that did it before uh, that, that have done the things that I'm looking to do, right? So one of them was uh, Reginald Lewis, right? I don't know. I don't know if you, if everyone is familiar mm-hmm. with the book. Um, yeah. Why do the white guys have all the fun, right? <sighs> right, right it, was, right. it was a book I read in in high school. I read this book in high school, and it really changed my perspective. Another book that I read is the Spook that's back, that sat by the door. Um, the the thing about it is, if we didn't have those people like Reginald Lewis, if we didn't have those people like. Our um, Donahue Peoples, who was a, a black real estate billionaire, or um these other pioneers that have come before, we wouldn't know how to move. We wouldn't know how to maneuver, right? And some, oh, there we, there we go right there. There's the book right there. Right? So the point is, is that these were the first of our community. You talk about Reginald Lewis, who was a brother that was cool, that had swag, that we could relate to, that, you know, had different things. Even though, you know, he did he didn't marry outside of his race, but, you know, you love who you love, you know. But the point is, it was he was the first that came from our community, came from humble beginnings, and we can relate to. And that is inspiration. And I think that more and more opportunities like that are going to be presenting themselves, and people will be able to see now. You're able to reach out to people with the internet, with social media. I mean, I've reached out to a number of millionaires, black millionaires, to the point right now where within the next, I believe in the next uh, five years, you're going to see the first teenage billionaire. He may probably more than likely he'll be white, but it will be a teenage billionaire that's coming up right now. It's my prediction. This is what I believe. And the point is, is that we have to, as a people, we have to tap into this wealth creation how do we create companies how do we get things there's a there's a a number of startups um that i want to highlight just to kind of put an exclamation point on the series and and what we're trying to do we're trying to give light funding um to creators to entrepreneurs people that want to just just go from idea stage to having a viable business and all of, all of those opportunities are centered around businesses that can scale. The advent of the internet is making it possible where if you have an audience or if you have a product and you can connect it to your audience, there are vast amounts of, of funding and wealth that can come your way. And in the black community, I don't, I don't care what nobody says. Nobody is more creative, more entrepreneurial than the black community. So I know that the creators that are out there, it's just a matter of time before the knowledge gets to them and that they're gonna be able to tap in. And that's really what I wanna be is the conduit for, for my community and my the creators that exist within my community to show people how to build wealth, show people how to start businesses, show people how to leverage their, not only their personal credit, but but really their business credit to get access to capital and do things that are really, really impactful for their community. That's really my life mission. And, and, you know, if I can, I'm really passionate about that. So I just wanted to add on to that.
0: Well, you definitely did. Uh,
4: I think it's interesting
0: that you talked about making millionaires and making business people in the same sentence. It's as if business and millionaire and <laughs> millionaire, millionaire hood. are are connected. Uh, But I just wanted to tap into something else you talked about. You brought up the spook who sat by the door. Don, you're going to have to let us know, because I know Minister Zumbi's going to go there. How could you connect the spook who sat by the door to economic empowerment? Maybe there's no
4: connection, but you did. I I don't see it. I don't see it. Actually, I do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, let's just say that the country, right, the country that we've existed in, there's a systemic problem that has been ingrained that has blocked us. We know about what happened with redlining. We know that we've been kept away from economic opportunities. The fact that there's ghettos that exist, they're designed. The ghettos are designed, right? The places that we call ghettos, it's a reason why whatever um, city metropolis that you live in, it's a reason why most of the black people are in this area. It's a reason why the projects are the projects, because someone thought of systematically a way to keep us there, a way to design to build us so that we can get there and make sure that we have really limited economic opportunity. So when you talk about our government and the things that our government has done in the past, it's been proven, right? We don't want to like, I don't want to live in a conspiracy world, right? I don't want to talk about all these things, but one of the great things about our government is all of the, the things that happened in the past are now being published as verified documents. So before it was a conspiracy theory, but now it's being proven. So it's no longer a conspiracy theory. It's, it's a reason why a lot of people in our community don't trust the vaccine, because they know about the Tuskegee experiment. They know about things that our government has done to limit us and keep us back. Right. We we know about this. So, you know, I just I, I just you know, that's the connection. You know, I don't I don't like to dwell in a lot of the conspiracy stuff because nobody each one of us here controls our own destiny. And what's for mm. me is me and nobody is going to stop what is mine. Right. So I don't want to say I'm blaming it on the, this man. or I'm blaming it on that man. That's a defeatist mentality. What's yours is yours. You got to go get it. When your opportunity is out there, you got to find out who got your opportunity, who has the resources to take you to the next level, right? And I'm tired of people in our community that, 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 that adopt that mentality and say, oh, I couldn't do this or I couldn't get this job because such and such ain't helped me or this person. No, what's yours is yours. You got to go get it. Simple as that. Go get it. Get your money, get your opportunity, connect to your audience, find your voice. Find your people. Whatever you need to do, go do it. You control it, right? So that's why I don't want to really delve in the conspiracy stuff because it, didn't, it it leads to a conversation that is very defeatist. It leads to a mentality to say there's the man out there trying to hold me down with his foot on his neck. We know that we it's been like that, but now it's up to us to to, to really take
2: control of our own destiny. Hmm. Would you
4: agree, Taniki?
2: Absolutely, if it's up to me, it's meant to be, and I love that he said that because I again I said it goes to mindset and accountability, and we're no longer in chains, we're no longer in caves. Um, a lot of people might be in chains in their mindset, but again, we have every opportunity. You can go on YouTube, you can Google. Like he said, if you have that desire to have something, it's up to you to do the research and get it done. I absolutely agree with Adon for saying that.
0: All right. And now her shirt says credit her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was say to, to what Don was saying that I was actually telling my mom today and something that I believe um, firmly. There is no excuse for you as an individual. And so as an individual, yes, success is completely in your hands. And that's the only mentality to have, because that's the mentality that says, no matter what obstacle is presented before me, I'm going to overcome it. But at the same time, while I always say there is absolutely no excuse as an individual, and I live my life like that, that's to also at the same time recognize the systemic issue as play that, that affects Black people as a corporate group. And I think that's the type of mentality we we need to have and understanding that we need to have in terms of that there are systemic issues at play that keeps our group at the lowest level of the playing field. But at the same time, on the individual level, don't let anything stop you from getting what's yours. And I think, um, you know, it's that same double-minded nature that Black people must walk with, with an understanding of our history and what is currently, but still with that same mentality of nothing is going to stop me from getting lines.
0: Hmm. Minister Zumbi, haven't heard from you in a moment. What did you think about connection of the spook who sat by the door and this empowerment walk that we're all on?
3: Uh, I I, I, I wanted to hear your point on that. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to take the movie adaptation of the book. The one thing that you The one thing (laughs) that you get out of the movie is the fact that here is a man who walked in with a plan and a blueprint for what he wanted to get done. So phase one, you basically turn the CIA into a classroom. Okay. Phase two, you go back into your hood and now you convert gang members into urban guerrillas because. It's cool to have this, you know, individual empowerment, but everything is done in teams. And Dan Freeman understood that no matter what happens to me, this thing has to be bigger than me in order for it to continue. Now, how does that tie into economic empowerment? I think we have a nasty habit of being one generation or one trick ponies where we don't create blueprints that will outlive us i think the two men that are closest to have done that has been the honorable marcus garvey and the most honorable elijah muhammad to where they no longer physically walk with us but they gave us blueprints for us to follow get message to the black man you can read Honorable elijah muhammad's economic blueprint if you get the honorable marcus garvey's course of african philosophy you can see where mr garvey taught you to save 20% of your income and use it in an investment at a later date. So these are just simple things. So I think we have to get into the habit of looking beyond ourselves and beyond the burdens of the day. Like in my book, I wrote a letter to the unborn African. I said, by the time you read this, I will be an elder or an ancestor. The one thing that I never want to be, and this is coming from Dr. Miles Monroe, don't be a generational thief. Mm. In other words, the knowledge that we're kicking around right here, how are we packaging it and leaving it for that next generation? Because it's criminal to sit up here and produce generation after generation. You give them no tools, you give them no weapons, and they wind up having to beg for provision from somebody else's kingdom or somebody else's empire.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, so the great thing about this panel, the star-studded panel that we have, is Caden has a plan. I think it's packaged. Don mm. has an institution. It actually is brick and mortar and 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 cyber. You know, Taniki works with a system. Mm. So I, I think we're at that precipice where we can pass down what we... What, but let's ask the question. So, Caden, can you pass down
1: to future generations, what you've achieved. So one of the things, Seku that I think was super important and why I started my YouTube channel, and I'll just start there. My YouTube, the purpose of the YouTube channel was to to, um, capture how I was building uh, economics as an individual or family. And so, you know, we talked, so documented is how I was able to pay off, uh, my first my $120,000 in two years. Documented is how I was able to invest to make um, my first 100000 Documented is how I made my first $250,000 through the stock market. And so everything that I've done, I've documented it. And I've always said the purpose of this channel has originally been just for my family at first because they may not at the time that I wanted to give them the information have been always receptive to it. But over time, just about all of my family members have come around to this idea of economic empowerment and that we can build a massive wealth both together and separately over the next 10, 20, and 30 years to the point where now we have a family bank where every month people invest money into that family bank and that is invested into the stock market and grow to a greater degree from our investments than we put into it, and so that's the beauty of this thing of making sure. And, and that, and uh, Minister Zumbi, that that's pretty much what it's about: making sure what information we have been able to acquire now is not lost on the next generation. And that's that's what I believe and strive to do.
0: Mm. Hey, Don, are you doing that with money? yet? Well, I, I know I'm asking a rhetorical question of sorts, but <laughs> How is money Ave leaving a legacy? Uh,
4: we set up this. Muted. Yeah, I think you muted me. Did you could you hear me now?
2: Could Good you to hear go, me bro. now?
4: Yeah, I think you it said the host muted. So um, <laughs> but I heard your question. The the way that I've done it for my family is this, and I think I, I told you before, I think that the, the biggest thing that we can do is to give our children a head start, right? If you want to get how I did it for my family is this. I purchased a six unit apartment building in Newark, New Jersey, and a trust for my three year old, two at the time. He's three now for my son. His name is Legacy. Right. And basically, when Legacy turns 18, <laughs> Legacy is going to have a six unit apartment building that's fully paid for, that can do two things, two major things for him. Pay for his college education if he chooses to go to college. In full, right? Because that's what the, that's the equity that's going to be in that building. It's going to be available to him if he chooses to go to college. He'll have a fully paid college education. But even more importantly than that, that building is going to provide him a monthly income twenty years down the road from now. I'm sure, uh, you know, inflation will will definitely have its have its way, and rents will be higher as well as property values will be higher. But it's going to give him a monthly income where he's not dependent on taking a job that is outside his God-given talents and God-given abilities, he can truly pursue and and follow a path that he wants to follow. That is economic that's my definition of economic empowerment, right? So, when you ask the question about what Money App does, well, we want to we focus on two things. Generational wealth is really the key. And it's either, it's it's really only two ways you can do it. Generational wealth is achieved through real estate, focusing on income-producing assets or starting a business. Now, nothing against the stock market. You can make money in the stock market and all that. But when you're talking about generational wealth, passing it on, everyone can do it. It's about building and going one of those two ways and building something in your lifetime, making sacrifices in your lifetime that's gonna benefit the next generation. And that's the principles upon which I founded our digital bank. And, and you know we want everyone to have that opportunity and we show you ways in which you can do it. You know, whether it's life insurance, whether it's real estate, whether it's um, we. You know, we give we give um, people fifty thousand dollars in business credit so that they can prove the concept of the business. Because we want to foster entrepreneurship. We want to create creators. We want we want people to take chances because businesses are ways in which tools in which you can create to build the life you want to build. And, and have true economic empowerment and be in control of your destiny. So that's the answer to your, your question specifically.
0: Wow. And what's crazy, and it's not really crazy, is uh, we asked about leaving a legacy. And your child's name is that, that's,
3: Legacy.
4: That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, well, we live the, for. That's what we live for.
0: Yeah. yeah. That, that's what we live for. True. Now, one thing about leaving a legacy, uh, you know, Minister Zumbi, who's a minister in metaphysics, and we have Minister Caden, Reverend Caden, who's a a AME minister. That's beautiful. Uh, That's beautiful. Uh, So I'm going to ask the two of you in particular, Hmm. what do the holy books say that we're not reading that could give us that legacy like Don is doing with his child?
3: I'll let the reverie go.
1: I, I think um, there, there's a ton of scripture that I, I personally love and gravitate to. And one is a wife, a wise person leaves a inheritance for their children, children. And that's one thing that I've read in the scriptures and have internalized even before I had my son. Before I had my son, I was planning to make sure that I left a legacy for him and that he, even through my legacy, through a trust, will be able to leave a legacy for his children. The second thing I think um, that is so important to keep um in our hearts and mind, and I think um it's similar to your 10 10 um biblical commandments, I'll put it like that, okay. is the idea of um, the borrower is slave to the lender, you know, and so yeah. that idea of getting out of debt to other people, um, except The only type of debt I would say that will be okay is one that provides you an income. Any other debt is is just a way to destroy the legacy that you leave to your children, children. And so unfortunately, sometimes in our community, what we leave isn't a legacy, but we leave debt that trickles down and passed down through the fact that we didn't have insurance we didn't have any investments, we didn't have any properties. And then there's a bill that we may have to go on GoFundMe to pay um, funeral expenses. And so I and I think the, the good book is very intentional of directing people on how to spend their finances. But those are the part that a lot of people feel compelled not to talk about for whatever reason.
3: Hmm. Well, I'm going to take a page from our ancestor, Reverend Ike. Okay, and he talks about creating money at three levels where the first level you begin with is the ether, because he says everything begins with an idea. And then you bring it from the ether into the psychic or the mental, and then from the mental, you bring it into the material. So we believe that everything is created from the inside out. Uh, Many of us have already read uh, Wallace Waddle's books, The Science of Getting Rich. And he talks about that same process, about taking that, uh, I guess you would call it spiritual clay, and then forming it from the ether to the psychic into the material. We also want to talk about, there's something Elijah Muhammad always said, words make people. Okay. I got a friend of mine who's an herbalist in L.A., And he talks about, don't be a hustler, be a creator. And I'll tell you why. Like Everybody has basically made hustler, whether it's a noun or a verb or an adjective. So I looked up what hustler is. Two of its definitions is one, a female prostitute, and number two, a male prostitute with male clientele. So we have to be mindful of how we speak things into existence and how we for lack of a better term, label ourselves. Now, in the Abrahamic traditions, you know, where we where we talk about being industrious, being uh, productive, I think what's missing, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with this, is that my belief is that God built man to be entrepreneurial and self-employed. I, I think that's his nature. I think we've been sold a bad Of goods with the industrial revolution where we've been locked into this 40-40 plan. And now with the advent of artificial intelligence, automation, and robotics, I I think it's being we're being reset back to what we have intended to be by nature. One of the things I say in my core beliefs in my book is we believe the universe built man to be entrepreneurial and self-employed. And especially. Another thing I don't talk about in my book, but I say I don't believe in giving children allowances because you create that employee mentality. When you create uh, that mentality through an allowance, I say teach them to be creators. No matter what shape the economy is in, they should always be able to create opportunities for themselves without having to rely on a job. Hmm.
0: Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, so uh, Taniki, we've gone over this before, and I liked that her shirt is saying credit her again. <laughs> I want to make sure she gets credit for this. Uh, you also teach not to give children
2: allowances, right? right? As a as a business owner, um, and I agree with the minister. We should all be entrepreneurs, and in that way, as a business owner, giving your children. Um, and paying them as an employee versus giving them an allowance will help you not only with a major tax deduction, but again, it empowers the child to have that employee mindset, employer mindset that they're building their own business. So, paying your ch- child as an employee and not giving them allowances, but a uh, pay. Out of or our payroll, putting them on payroll will put you in a better position to get benefits from the government as a business owner. Okay, uh, so Don is legacy on payroll,
0: or is he on allowance?
4: Legacy is on payroll. He is a employee of Baker Capital Partners, and he has he's a deduction. And what I pay him actually goes into a separate fund uh, that I am building for him as well. But um, great advice, and I, I, you know, I think more people should do that. And I'm totally signed on with not giving your kids an allowance, but paying them to uh, to, to understand how they can understand how entrepreneurship works, and they can understand that system and be creators, right? Because once we teach them that, they're creators. Being a creator solves so many different problems, right? And mm. if we understand that you know, we can eradicate poverty, we can eradicate uh, economic injustice, we can, all of this comes from being a creator. Whatever problem that needs to be solved, if you're a creator and creative enough, you can solve those problems. And that's really the mindset and the thinking that uh, I try to share in our community that show me a problem and I'll show you a great business opportunity.
0: Ooh, I love that. I love that. Minister Zumbi, in your great book, The Gospel of Afronomics Theology, uh, you have what I call the 10 Black Commandments. They're listed as the 10 GOAT Commandments. Um, We have just about 15 minutes left. So what I'd like you to do, man, is to drop each one, one by one. And I want to get a response from Taniki, from a Donahue Baker and from Reverend Caden on that particular commandment. And I'm going to actually going to fall back a little bit and just allow that to happen. So if you'll give a commandment, I like to get Taniki's, Donahue's and Caden's response on that.
3: All right. OK. OK. Number one, thou shalt decide and commit to becoming rich and wealthy.
4: I think, I think that is the st- uh, ultimate step one, right? Uh, I would go a little deeper on that commandment. I would say that, you know, we have to make a commitment to become millionaires, right? Be it specific. Mm-hmm. And I would say that any amount of wealth, if you're interested in passing wealth on, generational wealth, the number that I use is $1.4 million. That We need to cross that threshold. Why $1.4 million? Well, if you have a million dollars today, chances are, if you're 30 years old, you probably will have to continue to work at some point in your lifetime. We just passed the $2 trillion stimulus this year. Another $2 trillion stimulus was passed last year. All of that is going to have inflationary effects. What do I mean by that? Right. Well, that whatever assets or whatever homes that you have, the prices over time will increase, right? So if you're if you're in a position where you are paying someone, you are paying a loan or you're paying uh, anything that is debt that you're paying down, eventually your dollars be, is an inflationary effect are going to be devalued. So you're going to be giving less dollars to your debt. You're going to be Paying less dollars to your debt. So, in a way, it's it's better to have debt in this environment. It's better to have debt if that debt is allowing you to number one build wealth, right? And that's how that's how that's one of the key mechanisms in which we turn thousandaires into millionaires. It's using the debt to buy your home. For example, my parents had a home. They they bought a home that, that I grew up in for $40,000 in 1970, right? This home today is worth over $700,000. But what happened is in a 30-year, uh, their mortgage payment was like $400 a month. Inflation over time, by the time, you know, 20 years got into it, that mortgage payment was so low, it was almost like they didn't have a mortgage. The point I'm trying to make is understand the value of assets Coming up with specific goals, specific numbers to target, is only going to help you to to achieve them. And what you measure is what you can truly affect changing. So I just would add on to that. I know it's a little long winded, uh, Minister, but I think I, I I just can't agree with you more that that is the first step in anything you do in the life. It's having the mindset. You can go, Queen Nikki
2: um absolutely and the mindset and also i like to say that children make mistakes adult make decisions and as an adult we have to make a decision that our bank accounts represent the decisions that we make financially about our life so with that being said make the decision and have the mindset that nothing is going to stop you nothing is going to stop you or getting your way We teach you financial strategies. We give you a blueprint. And those five financial strategies anyone can do. Minimize your taxes. The first thing that's killing most people financially is they're overpaying the taxes. Stop giving the government too much of your money. Minimize your taxes, eliminate your debt, increase your credit score, build business um, income, and then investment education. So we provide people with a blueprint where they can follow the blueprint, Anyone can do it and just make those decisions and have that mindset that I can achieve generational wealth.
1: Beautiful. Thou shalt decide and commit to becoming wealthy. And immediately when you, you said that, it made me talk, think about the proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And he that loves it, he or she that loves it, he did the fruit thereof. And essentially saying, whatever you speak into existence, that is what will return to you. And I love what A. Donahue said about being specific. My wife and I, our goal is to become decamillionaires. That means to have at least $10 million by the time you retire. One of the things, and we want that money to leave a legacy to our children and to be able to give freely. Because that's the thing that we're most passionate about, helping others. The money is not necessary for us, but it's because... We know that we are in a position that we can change our community, especially those that are closest to us. And so I love that commandment because it tells you to take authority for your life.
3: Hmm. You know, what's interesting, Rev. That's one of my principles in my book where I said we want African people to achieve a minimum net worth of 10 million dollars. So so I thought that was very interesting that you that you brought up that that particular number. Uh, Number two, thou shalt invest in learning and mastering the science of money. I have built this based on what is said in Proverbs 17, 16. Now, I'm paraphrasing it. What good is it for a man to have money if he lacks the desire to learn how to master and manage his money? Mm.
1: So I guess I'll I'll kick it off. One of I think learning is so fundamental to growing economic power because I've always said you can't dwell on the past necessarily, but the past informs our decisions for the future. And so one of the other channels that I have besides urban finance is called Black Books Animated, where I read Black authors and do reviews of their book, especially books that are focused on economic empowerment because I think the past generation either did not necessarily have access to the same tools or access to the same knowledge that we have today. Because of the availability of knowledge today, there's absolutely no excuse for us. And it makes it very easy to invest in learning and invest in the science of money.
4: Yeah, I'll just, I'll just call, I'll, you know, Co-sign that again. What that means to me is financial literacy. Like you have to be able to speak the language of money. You have to understand what an asset is, right? So important that we understand what an asset is, what a liability is. That's it's it's a language. The rich people understand the language. We need to understand the language. People that are successful study. They go to school. They read books. You have to educate yourself consistently. Even if you're out of school, you can, you have to understand the language of money so that's what that means to me um uh brother minister so uh i'm Once again, 100% (laughs) on board with it. (laughs) I
2: say cash, asset cash, financial education, financial literacy. Absolutely. I love it. Um, I believe in it. I'm learning it. I'm treating it to my sons. And again, to me, financial literacy needs to start in elementary school. We need financial literacy as bad as as we need air to breathe. So it goes back to education. All
3: right. All right. Okay, number three, thou shalt practice the 10% solution of pay yourself first.
4: I'll start off with that one. Go ahead, Adon. No, you first, you first.
2: Ladies I I, I truly believe in paying your 10% first to God, um, just giving your tithes first, then giving yourself that 10% and living off of the rest. But again, paying yourself is an investment into your future, is an investment into your education, is an investment into building generational wealth. So yes, absolutely. 10% goes to yourself.
4: The best investment that anyone can make is investing in yourself. That is that's the bottom line, right? So the anything that gives you more knowledge, more education, makes you healthier, anything that you can invest in yourself, the, the returns are lifelong. Nobody can take that away, right? All the knowledge that was poured into each and every one of you, the education, like we're up here talking. And it's so much wealth. It's a wealth of knowledge, wealth of experiences. Nobody can take that away. Nobody. So you could basically lose it all. But the knowledge and the experience that you have just means that you can make it back. And not only make it back. You can share it with other people, share it with people you love, share it with your family, share it with everyone, share it with people that are listening to us right now. It's because of that, because we've invested in ourselves. We've invested in our education. We've invested in our businesses and our everything that, that makes us who we are. So I wholeheartedly agree. The best investment that you can make is the investment in yourself. And you do that first. Right. You do that first. Why? Primarily because. If you don't have resources, you won't be able to give. You know, as as much as our hearts want to be heavy, the people that make the most impact are the people that have the most resources. And the reason why they have the most resources is because they've invested in themselves. Simple as that. So I'll say, similar to Queen Taniki, I... I'm a fundamental believer
1: that God is the head of my my life. And so I firmly believe in giving my tithes to the Lord because he has blessed me more than I can even imagine and even speak to on this call. But paying yourself first is also a principle that is so important for financial literacy and financial empowerment. And one thing that I would say, giving to yourself, paying yourself, is a muscle that develops over time. So I always tell people, even if you have to start at $1, $2, developing that muscle, that something always goes towards your investment account is is where you need to start. It doesn't matter the amount, uh, but you need to start building that muscle of something out of this, what I make goes to me and my future, my children and their future.
3: And it's interesting you know, you're talking about self-investment, uh, legendary motivational speaker, Les Brown. He talked about how he invested seventy five hundred dollars in himself through the tapes, the books, the seminars, etc. His career earnings to date have been about 80, $80 million dollars, which means for every dollar he had put into himself, he's produced at least ten thousand. And you can't get a bit. You can't even get that on Wall Street. <laughs> Okay, so uh, where are we at? Number four: Thou shalt create value in the market, and I base this off the story of the master, the servant, and the
4: talents. Yeah. So uh, I'll jump in real quick. Um, mm. Value is everything, right? So one of the uh, analogies that I that I that I tell people is understanding your value is one of the most important things that you could do so let's say you have a job whatever job that you may have someone else is is determining your value that's what they pay you right but understand business understand how the model works whatever job that you have name an employee whatever they're paying you you're worth at least four times as much to that employer that's paying you you know cuz if, if if you your value If your value was equal to what they were paying you, the business model wouldn't work. They would lose money Mm -hmm. because they have to pay taxes, insurance, everything else. So as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to understand what your value is. So if you're, for for my position, I was a CPA. And, and, you know, the firm that I was working with was paying me a nice six-figure salary. But I had to realize that I'm worth about four times to what they're paying me and how I can tap into that value is understanding what their, the service that they're providing and understanding how I can provide the same service to others. And that's when I made the decision to become an entrepreneur. So the lesson in that is really understanding your value and how you can interpret that, interpolate and transpose that value to really cash in, to make it come true in your own personal life.
1: So I know we're low on time, so I'll make this super quick. Our ability to create value for others will probably determine the
2: size of the check that we make. I say our value is um, providing a solution to the problems. When there's a problem and you provide a solution, you're creating great value.
3: Okay.
0: I'm loving number this. Five. I'm loving this. Yo, yeah. can we, we'll, we'll end with number five. That means they got to okay. buy the book. <laughs> they okay. got to buy the book. The book is called The Gospel of Afronomics Theology. I really think it gives a great baseline along with some other classics like, uh, you know, Amos Wilson's classics and uh, some of the other books that A. Donahue and Caden have talked about. Uh, but I, I do think that it gives a really great economic blueprint. So uh, hit the one on cultural tithing. And okay, we'll, we'll leave with we that. fast
3: forward a little bit. Okay. Right. Thou shalt practice cultural tithing. Now, Reverend, when I say this, you should be getting two tithe checks from every member starting next <laughs> Sunday after this. Okay, since you AME, you should be getting two tithe checks from every member. Uh yeah, funny guy, a funny guy. guy. I'll let somebody else
1: start though. <laughs>
4: Anybody? Oh, look, put into number one, your community is you, right? So what that mm-hmm. means for me is the same investment that you make into yourself, the next thing is to put it into your community. Why is it important? Very simple. Your children, when they grow up, the community that you build, that's what you're, the community that your children are going to grow up in, right? So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the world in which legacy grows up in, it's not going to, you know, have people It's going to, you know, it's going to be good and evil, whatever it is, but it's not going to be on a a large scale where we have people that can't eat, we have people that can't get educated, we have people that don't have access to resources, people that can't start businesses, people that can't just feed themselves, quite simply. So, you know, an investment in your time, your resources into the community pays tremendous dividends. Hmm.
2: Absolutely giving back into your community. One thing that I did when I had my sons, I was determined to find them a black doctor for their pediatrician and a black skin, um, doctor for to take care of their skin and a black dentist. I wanted them to see someone in our community that was that looked like them that gave back to our people. So investing into your community, giving back, um, empowering, supporting other businesses in the black community is empowering everyone.
1: One of the things, for all the civil rights that we have right now, I think one of the reasons why police brutality is still such a thing to the degree it is in the Black community is because there's little fear of repercussions for when they victimize Black people. Um, They may think that the Jewish community have lawyers that if they they know that if they come after them, they're going to sue. The, the white community, they, their companies have lawyers, so they know if they come after them, they're gonna sue. The black community, they can come after them and there's very little we can do a lot of times, especially in our most impoverished community. And so for us to make life better for my, my, our children, we need to improve this situation for our community. I can be a decamillionaire, but that does not necessarily make it any better for my child who's walking out in the street to not get killed by a police officer because of the color of his skin, because they do not fear the repercussion economically the black community can give. And so for us to change that, we need to change the, the, our community. And the only way to change our community is to practice cultural tithing.
0: Wow. Uh, yo, I'm glad that you were last and I didn't have to answer that. <laughs> you brought that home, brother. You're right. I, I do believe, fervently believe that without repercussions, things won't change. I fervently believe that if without repercussions, things won't change. Um, but we're talking about building and furthering our economic empowerment. And this all ties together. Each one of you left some really great jewels along the way. We know that success leaves clues and very successfully, highly successful, write books and leave manuscripts. So we want you to leave one last thought towards building and furthering our economic empowerment. And as you do that, talk about your entity as well. Let's start with A. Donahue Baker. You know, one last thought on building and furthering yeah. economic. In- in- yeah, say it. Go ahead.
4: So I I tell people right now that one of the things that we really have to um, realize as we come out of COVID, we're seeing assets increase in value. So I am a a firm believer of, of building wealth. And I just think that, you know, where there's opportunities to acquire assets that pay you, please pursue that. Hold on to them with the long term. Perspective, a long-term mindset, um, and if you the, the more that I think that we're we're heading to a point right now as we come out of COVID, that there's there's going to be some real uh, difficulties ahead for a lot. And whenever there's difficulties, the flip side of that, the yin and the yang, there's opportunities on the other side of difficulties. So I want uh, all of us to be vigilant and look for these opportunities. And once again, uh, our our institution, Money App, is really about providing access to capital for all folks, um, providing ways in which people can not only acquire income-producing assets, but also start businesses. So that's the foundation, and um, it's been an honor to you know be a part of this panel and uh, engage with each and every one of you. So just want to say thank you.
0: Ashe, amen. Hey, Sister Riddick,
2: DIY my credit system. One last jewel. Um, basically, you have the power to do your own credit yourself. We provide you the tools, the knowledge. We provide you the tutorial to make you the expert. Um, Just making you and empowering you to do things yourself. The great thing about doing your credit repair yourself, it is knowledge and education that you can behold a lifetime that you can pass along for generations. When you understand credit and learn how to fix it and do it yourself, no one can take that knowledge away from you. So thank you for the opportunity. And I i was honored to be on this panel with such phenomenal kings. Thank you, Seko. Always great seeing all of you guys. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Brother Caden, man, last words and talk about what you have
1: going on with the urban finance. Awesome. Thanks for the opportunity again, Seko. I'll say success takes sacrifice. And usually to the degree that we're willing to su- sacrifice is usually the degree of success we're going to have and you can choose if you're gonna sacrifice now or sacrifice later in your life. Um, I just wanna say thank you, Seko, um, to everyone. I just wanna promote someone else as part of playing, paying cultural um, tithing. I forgot the exact word, but I'll use tithing. Um, okay. And it's Zwede Hewitt. He has this company that he is starting. It's called Luhu, it's a technology-based company. And it is doing things similar to both like Uber and Airbnb combined. He is a, a black man from Trinidad and Tobago. I will be having him on my show. I'm doing um, the interview with him Thursday and will probably present it after that. But it's so important to continue to build and promote Black businesses, black business owners. I
0: say, I say. And you got that Trini connection there too, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Trini to the bone, Trini to the bone. <laughs> got you. Hey, Minister. Minister Zumbi, man. Look, brother, uh, your 10 Go Commandments were instrumental. We got through one through five. I know that, you know, I've highlighted your book tonight. Give some last words.
3: Okay. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to have this roundtable with everyone. I'll say this Economic liberation is a process in progress. Be vigilant in how we get into that economic liberation, but don't beat yourself up over it because you're not moving fast enough. All of us are overcoming our ignorance in this, so we have to be compassionate with ourselves so we can be uh, an asset to future generations of African people.
0: was brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes. We do tax resolution. We lend private money and debt consolidation. So if you need some of these services, we're waiting here for you. Credit fixes, tax resolutions, private money and debt consolidation. Make sure you call Positive Vibes Incorporated.